there, friend. Welcome. Happy Advent and Merry Christmas. This is Jesus Smart, the podcast Christmas special 2019. I hope you like it. A uh, little disclosure, it's not Hallmark. It's not cookies and milk for Santa. It's Hey Herod, unwrap this. Christ, a member of the eternal Godhead, coming into our world with the reality of his reign, his kingdom, and the work of redemption and restoration. This changes everything, my friend. It opens new horizons. Now, as we progressively understand three things, number one, who Christ is, That's the most important thing. We start there, who Christ is. Number two, who you are, who I am in Christ. And number three, who Satan really is. Our world will be rocked. I'm talking about our personal world and the world at large. We are called to serve and impact. This is Brian Del Turco. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 101. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a bully. Satan is a coward. I was watching the classic A Christmas Story with my wife and our daughters the other night. And of course, we come to that scene where Ralphie comes to the end of himself in his quest to get the elusive Daisy Red Rider BB gun. It's his dream as a boy. It is his passion, his quest. He's at the end of himself. There's no hope. He's low. And the bully and his sidekick show up again with a snowball to Ralphie's face. A holy Ralphie rage begins to burn. Ralphie finds the fire and goes off against his adversary. Wow, Ralphie dug deep, uncovered his fierceness, and brought the ground and pound to the bully. You see, Satan is not all that, not when up against the Son of God. 
Christ, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you, the Apostle Paul wrote. He also wrote, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. John wrote, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Hey, Herod, we got a newsflash for you. We have a news item for you, a bulletin, a PSA, a public service announcement to the world. Hey, Herod, unwrap this. What we see in Herod is a spiritual power behind him that is anti-Christ, it's anti-God, it resists God. And what we can also see in the account of Herod is the victory of Christ over evil, and this pulls back right into our own lives. It affects our personal world, and it affects our sphere of influence, the world at large that we are called to impact our personal reach. Herod was an Idumen. He was appointed by Rome as the king of the Jews in Judea. He was a puppet king. As long as the Romans were satisfied, he could remain in power. If not, they would yank him. He has been called, quote, the evil genius of the Judean nation. He wasn't a true Jewish believer. He was not religious. He was really secular. He was a puppet king for the Roman occupying forces. Herod was a ruthless schemer. He had murdered friends, relatives, as well as his enemies. In fact, by his orders, one of his 10 wives, yes, 10, one of them and two of his sons were killed. Flavius Josephus was a Jewish historian, and he wrote that Herod was ravaged by pain in his latter life. It was not just the physical pain that was keeping him awake. These visiting magi from the east had not returned to report to Herod as agreed upon. And he was in the grip now of one of his well-known paranoias and fits of suspicion. Who were these magi? They were wise men from Persia in the east. They were experts in astrology, astronomy, and natural science. Their knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures was most likely traced back to the time of Daniel, who was appointed chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon when Judea was in Babylonian captivity. Now, tradition says there were three wise men, right? Because of the three gifts presented to Jesus listed in the Gospels. But there were likely more. It was no small event when they arrived in Jerusalem after traveling for months. They asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard about their arrival, he gathered together the chief priests, the scribes of the Jews, inquiring where the expected Messiah was to be born. And this was followed then by a secret meeting with the Magi. When he found out when the star had first appeared to them, Herod sent them to Bethlehem. And here's his scheme. Bring word to me that I may come and worship him also. They didn't know it at the time, but Herod had no intention of worshiping a new king. Massacre of the Innocents Something in the heavens shifted that night. The Magi were divinely warned not to return to Herod. They secretly left Bethlehem, returning to their homeland by another way. 
Herod was now told that the Magi had left. The atmosphere seemed thick with the powers of darkness. He was enraged. He called for an assistant. No one, no one could threaten his throne. This child must be eliminated. And men were dispatched to murder every male child in Bethlehem and the surrounding area from two years old and under, according to the time the star first appeared to the Magi. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, his words would be fulfilled again, first realized in Israel's mourning in Babylonian captivity, but now being fulfilled again in Herod's crazed attempt to murder the Christ child. Sometimes these Old Testament prophecies will have two or three layers of fulfillment in time. These anguished voices of mothers and fathers could be heard on the outskirts of Jerusalem. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. All because of Herod's crazed attempt to murder the Christ child. My friend, God is a winner. The dragon is crushed. God is a winner in every situation. Nothing frustrates his counsel. In fact, immediately after the fall of humanity in Genesis chapter 3, a redemptive promise was set in motion. A seed would come into the earth through the woman, crushing the head of the deceiver. The serpent heard the creator say, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head. The promised seed, the Messiah, would come into the earth through a woman. Though Satan would bruise Christ on the heel of his foot, Christ would bruise his head. I remember Mario Murillo saying that Satan is walking around today with about a hundred pounds of brain damage. Before we get to Herod's very ugly demise, my friend, we overcome. If you are a child of God through Christ, you cannot be defeated. As we are obedient to the word and keep in step with the Holy Spirit, we are always led in the triumph of Christ. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians. The DNA of Christ and his kingdom simply cannot lose. And when we're born again, we have that DNA in us. And as we begin to develop in Christ and mature in Christ, we learn how to express and turn on that DNA, that manifestation of the triumph of Christ, a 100% winner, a 100% overcomer. We win by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12, when you read that chapter, I encourage you, we win by the blood of the Lamb. We win by the word of our testimony. And we win by not loving our own lives, even if it means facing death. That trifecta right there guarantees our triumph and our victory. The blood of Christ, the story, the word of our testimony, and by not loving our own lives, even if it means death. The serpent of old Satan cannot stop the potential of Christmas in your life. And it's not just December 25. It's every day of the year because the potential of Christmas is the potential of Christ. So Herod died in Jericho after a 37-year reign. His illness at the end has actually been called, quote, Herod's evil 
It was excruciatingly painful and obvious to all. Josephus wrote that Herod, who was ever preoccupied with himself and his ambitions, he actually gave orders that a group of distinguished men should come to Jericho and forcibly be placed in the Hippodrome there. And soldiers were to shoot them with darts at the time of his death. Why? To ensure that there would be somebody crying, to ensure that there would be people grieving throughout Judea when he died, because he knew the Jews would not mourn his own death. Fortunately, his sister Salome and her husband Alexis, who were charged with overseeing this edict, they didn't follow through after Herod died. This just shows you the demonization. This shows you the evil power that gripped him. He was under the influence of Satan. Hey, Herod, unwrap this. Unwrap the Christ child. Unwrap the kingdom that he's bringing, right? Herod is a picture of Satan's blinding pride, his selfish ambition, and his evil schemings. He's also a clear picture, listen to this, of Satan's ugly decline and demise. Isaiah spoke of this. Isaiah spoke of a time soon to come concerning Satan. Quote, those who see you will gaze at you. They will consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? This is speaking of a time to come in which the saints will see him in his tormented state, in his declined state, and they will speak these words, and they will be stunned as they gaze at him, as we gaze at him. And we will ask, is this the one who made the earth tremble? Jesus said this in the Gospels, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. My friend, in Christ, you need to know it. We cannot lose. We are overcomers in Christ, especially as we develop and learn in Christ. Jesus is no longer a child king. He is no longer in a manger. Believe me, (laughs) he's no longer a baby. The New Testament, it's been said, is an unfolding progressive revelation of Christ getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more powerful. We start by reading that he came at his incarnation as an infant, but he ends as the cosmic Christ, a king seated at the right hand of the Father with everything subjected under his feet. And in in the book of Revelation, when John received the revelation of Jesus Christ on the island of Patmos, he saw and experienced the Son of Man as the ascended Christ. Back in chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, John says this, I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a Son of Man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Just pausing here, sometimes when I pray, I once in a while I just like to envision, this is who I'm praying to. This is the authority. This is, this is the emperor over all things. He is the Lord. He is the ultimate Caesar. He's king over all things. 
John continues, his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. There it is, the word of God. And his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. This is a picture, a revelation of the ascended Christ over all things. And, you know, I think sometimes when we pray, we need to, um, based even on these verses in Revelation 1, 12 to 16, envision the name of the one that we're praying to the Father in. We're praying to the Father in the name of the Lord, the head over all things. We have his power of attorney. Friend, this is not the baby Jesus in the manger, is it? Our understanding of Christ must go beyond the earthly perspective. The New Testament, it's unfolding. As I mentioned, it's a progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. He is now the cosmic Christ, preeminent over all things. Hey, Herod, unwrap this. I just think our attitude, once in a while, we need a little chip on our shoulder in the spirit. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And why don't you just unwrap this revelation of who Christ is? And I'm progressing in my understanding of it and I'm applying it in my life. Affirm these inspired phrases right out of the New Testament letters of Ephesians and Colossians, straight from the Word of God. Okay, here's the phraseology, and I'll drop these phrases on the show notes page. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We're talking about the cosmic Christ here. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named in this age and in the age to come. See, not just in the age to come when he comes again at the second advent, but in this age right now as well. That's our experience. All things have been placed under his feet. See, these are Christocentric statements about Christ. We need to be Christocentric, Christ-focused in our faith. Just several more. He is head of the body, the church. Listen to this one. He has been given as head over all things, meaning all things in the earth and in the universe. He's been given as head over all things to us, the church. He will come to have first place in everything. See, I have to remind myself. My playing small does not serve anything well. It's not our highest life to play small. Even more, it does not serve those around us in the world at large. So our personal lives are too small when we play small. But even beyond that, what we're called to serve, what we're called to impact and influence, it does not serve that context well, the world at large, our sphere of calling, our sphere of influence, our footprint expanding our kingdom footprint. By the way, in episode 100, which is a highlight episode, and we talk about that, expanding your kingdom footprint, I encourage you to go back to hear episode 100, not only to hear seven stellar highlights over the course of, uh, you know, from guests over the course of the first 100 episodes, but also hearing from listeners. But as we widen our perspective, we appreciate what I call the advents of Advent. See, I can't get stuck in a Hallmark movie, okay? I just cannot get stuck at a creche. I can't get stuck in a manger scene. Advent, 
advances, we rise with it to a new level of living and influence. Are you with me on this? I hope so. Can we take just a few moments for life reflection? The incarnation of Jesus Christ was heaven's invasion into a lost world. It's the advance of Advent. Have you ever considered that God always wins? What can that mean for you? How can you apply Revelation 12, 11 to your life? Again, they overcame him, Satan, the accuser, because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. How can I apply that to my life? How can you? Another question, Advent is advancing in history. Is it advancing in your life and in your personal world? And let's take it further, in that world at large around you that you're called to serve and influence. We are living between the first great Advent and the second great Advent when Christ comes again. But there is this sense in which the Advent dynamic is flowing right through church history, right in our time, and is advancing. Advent advances in our lives, in us, and through us. It's helpful at times just to pull back, get quiet, work with that signal-to-noise ratio, dampen down the noise, and try to get on the signal of God. I really see the Magi as following the star. That was the signal in dampening down all the noise. Even when they came into, into Jerusalem, the whole city was in a commotion because of their arrival and their question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And yet they continued to follow the signal. I think it was some type of a manifestation of the glory of God, which actually showed them at the time the residence that the young toddler, Jesus, probably like two years old, was, was living in at the time. But is Advent advancing in your life and in your personal world? Can we get with the signal and follow it. And now a prayer and affirmation. Can I just speak a prayer and affirmation over myself and over you as a listener? The first advent was a bad day for the adversary, my friend. Okay. It was a bad day. We see it reflected in Herod's paranoia, fear, torment, pain, and ultimate demise. It's a picture of the torment, the paranoia of Satan, and his ultimate decline and demise and judgment. Herod was judged by God because of his attempt to kill one of the members of the Godhead who came into the earth, Jesus. That did not go undealt with, just as Satan has been dealt with and will ultimately experience the full dealing of that judgment upon him. So the first advent was certainly a bad day for the adversary, but here's the good news. It's only getting worse. If only Hallmark could somehow write a script, and craft a movie that I could sit down with my daughters and watch that would somehow convey this. I don't know. Too much to hope for. All right. Here's the prayer and affirmation. Father, I thank you for sending your son. The head of the dragon has been crushed. Satan is under our feet. I praise you, Father, that Advent is advancing. It's advancing in history. And it's advancing in my life. Be strong in me, Jesus. Be strong through me, Jesus. I affirm in faith that it's Advent every day of the year for me 
and for everything that concerns me and for everything that I'm called to serve. All glory to Jesus, Father, who is victorious. Have your way in us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, on the show notes page, I'll have this prayer and affirmation there listed, as well as the life reflection questions preceding the prayer and affirmation. I'll also have the scriptural phrases of affirmation taken from Ephesians and Colossians concerning the cosmic Christ, and some more information for you to drill just a little bit deeper on this theme of, hey, Herod, unwrap this. What we're really saying is, hey, dragon, hey, Satan, unwrap this. Now, that is a Christmas worth celebrating because that is a storyline and a design line of God that is manifested when Jesus came into the earth and brought his kingdom in a new and a more expansive way. So a most Merry Christmas to you. There is power in joy and gladness. Rejoice in the Lord of all at all times. Paul said, I write it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Delight yourself in him as we delight ourselves in him more and more. And he delights himself in us. The sky is limitless. The horizons are infinite. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I would love for you to go back and listen to the preceding episode, episode 100. We have seven stellar highlights from seven stellar guests over the course of the first 100 episodes. We also hear from listeners. It's a great episode. I encourage you to go back and catch it. We'll be having two Godspeed episodes, which are short, tiny, punchy episodes coming up Christmas week. It'll be dealing again with an Advent theme, a Christmas theme, and then also New Year's week, another short episode, five to seven minutes maybe, looking at the new year. We have a vision episode coming up in January and guests coming back beginning in January and new fresh topics and some new features in the podcast. I think you're going to like it. To learn more about the podcast, go to JesusSmart.com. As always, you can see the show notes page for this episode for links and additional resources. It always helps to push the podcast before more people when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's now on iHeartRadio and Spotify. You can search on your app for Jesus Smart. And I just heard this past week a news item in the podcasting world that both Apple and Spotify now have episodes available on Amazon Echo. Hey, we have an e-letter with next-level ideas and insights to develop as a Christ follower, as an apprentice of his kingdom. We're all questing. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all rather desperate. That's the way I feel about it. Desperate to know him deeper, to develop in him deeper. Jesus is brilliant. Merry Christmas to you. He knows how life works best. We'll talk with you soon. 